me. Like I said, all the guys, it's not me that's getting in the USA and having the big contract, but I get as much joy from seeing these guys getting now, out. Have you actually been on the mat, right? Or, or, where, or on the court or on the field and done the hours to get good? I believe that we're on the threshold, one of the greatest transformations in biomedical science um, that we'll ever see. And you've got to be in the right place at the right time, but if you're not physically or mentally ready, then it doesn't matter if that right time and place come or not. You have to be ready. And I think that's always the case. People don't like the resources. They just like, they like the resourcefulness. There's a 120 millimeter rocket that slammed into the side of the building. Welcome back to Breaking the Norm. Uh, we've got a really cool episode lined up with Jack Shaw. But firstly, I'm just going to give a little intro and a bit of reasoning behind why we get the guests on that we do. So I had a few questions saying, Jack, you've got special forces guys on there, MMA fighters, authors, doctors. Uh, what's the target market? And I said, well, the target market is anyone that, one, wants to hear good stories from interesting people, and two, wants to better themselves. Because I find that if you're into a sport or a certain business industry, so for example, jiu-jitsu, rugby, football, even swimming, you'll probably find that most of your social media and most of the information you get is tailored towards that. So if I go through my Instagram, most of it's jiu-jitsu or MMA of some kind. If you're a swimmer, most of that's probably swimming. And you sort of miss out on hearing from people in other industries and areas. So although we've got businessmen and CEOs on here, I think there's things they can learn from the martial artists and from the authors and how they approach things in their industry. And also, maybe the martial artists can learn something from the CEOs that have opened multi-million pound companies and are making loads of money and do things their way. So there can be things taken from different areas. And by listening to people in different industries, different sports, you can maybe take the best bits and apply them in your own area. With that being said, we've now got Jack Shaw. He is previously Cage Warriors champion. He now fights in the UFC. He is undefeated. He holds a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And he's a very interesting guy. So give it a listen, give it a like and a share. And if you enjoy it, please check out some of our previous podcasts. We've also had Jack's father on here. He was our first podcast, Richard Shaw, very established martial arts coach. Um, he's now got Jack in the UFC and Jack Marshman in the UFC. Um, so out of four UFC fighters from Wales, two of them were, were born and bred in Shaw Mixed Martial Arts. So check that one out as well. Jack, thanks for coming on. Um, firstly, let's go through your background because we have a few people listening to this uh, podcast that don't know a lot about mixed martial arts. So could you go through your background? Yeah, so I've um, been training really uh, traditional martial arts and kickboxing from, from a young age. I think uh, six years old I was when I started. So to put that into perspective, I'm 25 now, so 19 years Um been doing it a lot longer than I hadn't been doing it then, put it that way. And <laughs> just naturally progressed from, like, you know, it was just a hobby at the time, I suppose. My, my parents probably just trying to keep me active, get me out of the house a little bit, so I wasn't running up the walls. Um, but it just progressed then. Obviously, my dad opened um, his own gym. I think I was maybe 12, 11 or 12. Um, we were training in a little cellar under nightclub in Leary. Um where I naturally progressed to MMA, just, just not not fighting or anything that young, obviously, but just training with all the, the likes of Marshman and Martin, 
Des, um, Tetley, some proper, old, you know, guys who are still about now, but as a kid, um, and just progressed from there. Obviously, was in the gym five, six nights a week, even at 12, 13 years of age, and progressed all the way up then to, to obviously having my first MMA fight at 17, to turning pro at uh, 21, to winning the cage wars belt at what was I, 22, I think, and then obviously signing for the UFC about a year after that then. So it was between the between the time of my first fight, no, sorry, between the time I started training and the time I signed for UFC, it was something like, well, what would it have been, 18 years. So just, you know, play, it, goes, yeah. it puts into perspective. I think when you look at it on a bigger scale like that, how much, how much time and how many hours we probably put in, um, you know, it doesn't always... It doesn't to someone who's not so clued up on the sport. It doesn't seem like, I suppose, it doesn't seem like that big a deal saying the UFC or you know that, that, that you haven't worked that long towards it being so young. But when you put it into perspective, how young I was. Oh, yeah, eighteen that. years, yeah. Uh, it's yeah, crazy. Long <laughs> what was it like? Because back then there weren't many kids training, were there? I remember when I started doing jiu-jitsu, there were barely any. You used to get used to get pastings from like the blokes. So I imagine you being in a cellar with Martian and that lot was a. A bit of an eye opener. Yeah, well, they, you know, they looked after me. Um, obviously, as a young kid, they, they they didn't beat me up too badly. There was a couple <laughs> of older school, older school guys. Um, I you know that, that don't even train anymore, but like you know, old judo and old MMA guys that, that give me a couple of little slaps as a kid. But it definitely, if nothing else, it definitely toughened me up. And obviously, being uh, twelve, thirteen in the gym with people like Marshman, Martin, Chris. All these boys with you know were nineteen twenty at the time with these reputations around town as you know these tough mess. Especially people like Marshman, you know his his name when I was a twelve year old kid was notorious. And uh, <laughs> so being around them five nights a week, um, I thought I was the kiddie. You know what I mean? Like uh, you know who you train with tonight? Ah, oh, just just Jack Marshman. What Jack? The boy for Jack Marshman? It's in these Jack Marshman. And this was before he was a pro fight or anything. That's how uh, how much of a name he had at the time. So. Uh, it definitely hardened me up, and it definitely um, it definitely fed my ego a little bit being around the older <laughs> boys and uh, thinking I was the kiddie <laughs> as a kid. You free drinks on the nights out when you start going. Uh, um, yeah. Do you reckon? Obviously, there's quite a few successful guys in the gym. Do you reckon it's due to the area you guys are from? Do you think there's like it's a nice area, but there's not necessarily a lot to do, is there? Really? Yeah, I think it's. I mean, it's, I don't know if it's um, completely dunked lab, but it's, it definitely plays a factor. Like uh, in, in Abertillery, where we're from, you either play football, rugby, or you fight. I think pretty much if <laughs> if you're into your sports, that that they they the sort of three routes you go down is there's the rugby team, there's there's two football teams, and then there's obviously uh, a couple of gyms that's not you know not a million miles away from Abertillery or, or actually in Abertillery. So they they are the the routes people tend to go down and like you said there's not a lot for young kids especially to focus their attention on around here there's no you know big complexes big youth clubs there's not really a lot for us, for the kids to do so they're either hanging about the streets or they're in the gym um and i think uh the the sport of jiu jitsu and and mma obviously is is one of them sports that i think once you you get that sort of addiction to it once you get the bug then you all you want to do is be in the gym so you you see it even now, like even though we've we've got a, a facility that's hundred times better than what we had back when when I first started, there's still fourteen, thirteen year old kids like um, Liam, Yoan, Harvey, Shay, boys who I train now coming up through, 
Oh, you can see they've got the bug, you know, they they train the kids' class, they train every night with the adults, they they Saturday morning, like, you know, as a as a fourteen year old kid, the last place I wanted to be Saturday morning was in the gym for three hours because these boys can't stay away. So I de- I think it's definitely the area we're in. And and also the the fact that there's like a bit of um a production in the sense of like, you know, there's always so where I was I was looking up to Marshman and Des. Now, you know, there's younger kids now looking up to me and, and the boys sort of my age. And then in sort of six, seven years time, there'll be kids again looking up to those boys. So the, the what's the word I'm looking for? Like the, the treadmill cycle. Sort of keeps turning, yeah, the yeah. cycle keeps turning, do you know what I mean? And I think that that plays a part in it as well. Obviously, because it's such a, a tight-knit community, then everyone sort of knows everyone. Like, you know, if, if, if I was from, say, Cardiff even, you know, even if we keep it local, if I was from Cardiff, there's probably, there would be people in Cardiff who would who had never seen me, never spoke to me, never met me, whereas there's probably not many people between the ages of, I don't know, 15 and, and 30 and up, Larry, that, that haven't had a conversation with me, haven't said all right to me, haven't spoken to me, you know. So because it's so tight-knit, everyone sort of wants everyone to do well and, and everyone's got that, that tight bond, especially when it comes to the gym as well. You've probably got one of the biggest followings locally in the UK, especially because of that reason, I suppose, haven't you? Yeah, like I always say in the interviews, it, as far as sports concerned, uh, the Welsh get behind their own whatever sport it is. I mean, you look at um, fighting and the, you know Joe Calzaghe and Gavin Reese, Gary Lockett, them lot always had big followings. You look at the football and the rugby. They you know look at the Euro, Euros when um, Wales went to the Euros. How many people was travelling over there to support? Same with the rugby. They selling out an eighty thousand seat stadium. Even stuff like uh, the darts, like uh, Gezi Price. You know, like the following you've got now, he wasn't. I don't. You've only been playing darts a couple of years. You look at him now, just the the Welsh following that gets behind him, just to go and watch him play as well. So I, I think um, a lot of the following is, is obviously because I'm Welsh and, and that we get behind my own. But also, I think a lot of people can relate to me in the sense of you know, I'm not your average. I don't look like you. I'm not your big, you know, muscle bound tough guy that you would expect to be a fighter. I'm, I'm pretty normal. I look look pretty normal. Pretty. Um, deceiving to most people you know you wouldn't take a second look at me yeah. on a pub I doubt so I think that's why a lot of people can um, relate to me as well yeah definitely well what's your win streak now uh, between amateur and pro it's 24 so it's 12 and 0 as an amateur and, and now 12 and 0 as a pro and it's completely undefeated isn't it yeah yeah like I've, I've lost uh, grappling matches and um, and I've had lost amateur boxing fights but in, in the cage it's, it's it's, it's a nice clean clean sheet at the minute, so hopefully we can keep that going for two more years. For giving Khabib a run for his money next. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the dream. Um, you you had a bit of a backup plan as well, didn't you? I know Shaky, your dad made you go to uni, really. I'm not sure, I'm not sure if he made you, you probably chose to go, but you, you have got a backup plan as well. Do you think that helps? Yeah, um, I didn't see it like that at the time. Obviously, I, I wanted to go to uni, and then after about... Um, well, I did two years and I was at, at my wit's end, you know, I'd had a gut, so I was on the verge of, of turning pro, you know, the fighting was starting to take off, even as an amateur, I was starting to win titles, people were talking about me, so all I wanted to do was, was train and fight, um, but I was I was, all, I was working part-time in Motorpoint, uh, vaulting cars, and um, I'd had that much of a guts full of uni, I'd, I'd spoken to one of the, the bosses, my friend Kyle at Motorpoint, and he was like, yeah, if, you want, if you do want to quit, you know, we we can we can sort you out down here full time and that's what I wanted to do. I just had that much of a guts for, but then the voice of reason, my old man, obviously come through. He was like, look, finish finish your degree. He said, um, you know, you've got a backup. Then it should should you ever decide you don't want to fight or 
you know, should you get an injury that 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 knocks your career on the edge? Because it is a dangerous sport at the end of the day. Like, and not even injuries, but you know, these people now with all the brain scans and stuff that out of the blue they just get told they can't spar, they can't fight again. So, um, he said, finish your degree and, and you can train full time for a year. And I think sort of four years later, I'm still still training full time. So, <laughs> uh, it did pay off. But looking back, I'm glad that. I mean, if if I went right way back to sort of finishing college then I'm not sure if I would go to uni again but looking back I'm glad I didn't quit after the two years because obviously the I had done two thirds of it so it would have been stupid and I would have run out a lot of debt just to quit after after doing the the first two years for the sake of doing another year I'm glad I did it because now I've got it I it can't be taken away from me and it, you know it's not like I gotta revisit it every week to uh to keep it fresh <laughs> in my mind yeah exactly and you've also got the the gym now which is really successful so I, I think in fighting in particular, I do admire the guys that are all or nothing, but it is a risky game, isn't it? Like if you've got if you've got no other income, no backup plan, and you snap your shin, you're going to be pretty knackered. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like you said, it's I suppose I've been all or nothing in a sense, in the sense of it's always a career path I wanted to follow, but at the same time, it's like it doesn't until you hit that you know i was fortunate i had a very very good contract in cage warriors money wise and obviously now i'm in the ufc I'm, I'm making good money but you know outside of the ufc realistically like even some of the champions in cage Warriors are not making enough money where if they got families and mortgages and stuff like that that, that they can you know they're not really making enough that they can uh provide just solely off that money so in essence you know it's a lot it's, it takes a lot of time then and a lot of commitment and a lot of skill to, to reach the pinnacle of the sport and there's a lot of guys that you know got all the all the all the physical attributes all the skill skillful attributes but sometimes just don't don't get the rub of the green and don't make it and i suppose if you go all in you know you wouldn't want to do this for two three years chasing the dream at the realization that you can't make it and then go and work in a factory or go and work on a building as i wouldn't want to anyway so it is nice to have that backup plan yeah definitely now you talked about ufc then is there a lot of pressure? Because I know that you turned down the UFC three times, wasn't it, before you actually accepted a contract? Do you think that added to the pressure now? No, I, I, to be honest, I, I think if anything, it helped. Um, it helped. It helped. The, I mean, I'm not, I don't suffer too badly from the pressure, but it helped the pressure pass a little bit just because, you know, having. I mean, before I fought my last fight in Cage Warriors, I seen um, that they were interested there and they spoke to Graham. So. Obviously, the fact that they thought I was ready, even at that stage, after turning them down twice, I, you know, it, it filled me with confidence that, you know, me, I'm I'm ready to go. I'm obviously at the level where they're looking at me thinking, you know, he's worthy of being in here. So it didn't build any extra pressure in the sense of when I did debut, just the fact that I had waited till the time was perfect. You know, I, I knew in my head that I was 100% ready and 100% deserved to be there. So uh, I think it helped, if anything, pushing them back a couple of times. I think if, if I had accepted the first or second time, it may have been a little bit too soon. Whereas when I uh, eventually, you know, signed the line, the dotted line, then it felt like it was right. I, I cleaned out the division at the time, and you know, I felt like there was there was no one else there for me to fight on the on the European scene that would have did anything for my name. You know, it would have just been pulling their name along in the sense of, you know, by fighting me, it would have been doing them favors, but it would have been all for me to lose, nothing for me to gain. Whereas now I've jumped up a notch you know there's a lot of fights in now where there's plenty for me to gain from yeah exactly and i remember i saw a video of dana white when you were when you were debuting and i think he called you the hottest prospect out of europe or something like that didn't he 
yeah, the artist prospect uh, in Europe or the UK, something like. And that was obviously before, before I'd even. Uh, I think it was the night night before the fight, so that was before yeah. I even stepped in there. So. And then you go and choke the guy. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it, I mean, that added a little bit of pressure because I thought if I go out there now and get chinned or subbed quick, I'm going to look like <laughs> tit, and I. But, <laughs> but um, be honest, to there's people who've been in the UFC a long time, and, and Dana doesn't mention their name. So to have him sort of to, to know then that he at least knows who I am and that I'm on his radar a little bit, even before stepping in there, obviously. Is a, is a good sign, and hopefully I can keep uh, keep attracting his attention. Um, you know, next few fights now. What do you think it takes mindset wise to be a good fighter? Do you think everyone's got commonalities, or do you think it's a bit all over the place? Um, I think on the on the whole, obviously everyone's mindset is a lot different. Um, but there are certain like core values I think that to to succeed, especially in in boxing, MMA, in a fighting sport, you need to have um, the, the mi- mindset-wise. It's, it's not you can't have a mindset then where you let um, you know you let sort of the doubts creep in, especially in the the final sort of couple of days and or weeks before a fight. Um, obviously, your head's all over the shop in the sense of what you know you're constantly thinking about the fight. Uh, every training session, you're monitoring you know un- under a magnifying glass. You don't want to make any mistakes. If something goes wrong in training, you start to think, well, I can't let that happen on the night. So you've got to be mentally strong. Where, you know, I'm not saying you can't be nervous because everyone gets nervous. I'm not saying you can't be scared because people are scared. But you've got to be mentally strong in the sense of if um, doubts do creep in, you know, you've got to be strong enough to switch it off and think, you know, let's get back to it. Um, the mental strength is probably a, a bigger a bigger factor in the sport than, than, than physical strength that a lot of people don't see, you know. On the TV, it looks easy to jump in the cage and fight, but when when you're preparing for it for twelve weeks in advance, then there's a lot of um, mental struggles that come with a fight camp and preparing for a fight. But it's it's not necessarily the same for everyone, but everyone goes through those those little battles, those little inner demons. So the the main core value, you know, like for example, I don't feel too nervous before a fight. I'm not scared walking out there, but there's there's people who I train with. There's there's people at the top level who admitted to being petrified before they go out there. So I'm not saying that one way is, is right and one way is wrong, but I guarantee you every single fight who, who has stepped in there and who's been successful is is very mentally strong in the sense of they can switch it on when they go. So that that's the biggest thing, the fight, especially young fighters coming up. There's a lot of um, resources now, like mental coaches, sports psychologists, that um, you know if you are struggling mentally, then there's a lot of people now that you can go to that can help with that. So you know, any young fighter coming up who feels like they could struggle mentally should definitely look into that, I think. Do you think you can build you build the mindset a lot in the gym training? Are you, are you a fan of hard hard sparring and things like that? You can uh, you can build the mindset in the gym, but I wouldn't say you can do it through hard sparring. Um, I think uh, the way best way to build your mindset is obviously having good coaches around you, good teammates. Um, no, they, the ones you know know when to push you and know when to ease off the gas a little bit. You know, it's it's all about positive reinforcement. I think especially in you know, you know, you gotta to be told when you're doing something wrong, and you and you you have a shit day. But to to the most part, you you don't just want someone who's just gonna constantly highlight what you're doing wrong. You need to have a bit of both. Um, you know, you need to have good training partners who, you you know, for example, and who can highlight then sort of when you're two three weeks out from a fight, they're not trying to knock your head off, obviously with your weight coming down and stuff. So it can definitely be 
strengthened in the gym, but ultimately it, it does come down to you ultimately, obviously, is, is you got to step in there. And, and when you're in the in the changing room, you know, before a fight, getting your hands wrapped or warming up, and you have that in, in quite a couple of minutes to yourself, you know, that's when you've got to be mentally strong. There's, there's only so much your coaches and your teammates can say at that point. So a good gym environment, a good team, a good support system definitely helps. But ultimately, you've got to be able to switch it on and, and, and strengthen your mind up yourself as well. I, I, I thought I'd bring this up now. I know you don't get too uh, too nervous, but I think I saw Shaky say that he gets more nervous watching you fight than when he fights himself, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. He's he's a he's a bag of nerves, to be honest. The, <laughs> the best, to be honest, the best I've seen him caught was the was the last fight um, in the UFC. So I don't know whether that was because we was on first then, maybe, and he didn't have so long to build his nerves, or maybe even just because we'd stepped up the level. So. If I lost in the UFC, you know, at least I was in the UFC. I think with coming towards the end of my Cage Warriors career, the sort of last three, four fights, every fight was like, um, you know, if I had lost that fight, it probably would have pushed me back two, three years. Um, so I can see why he was probably a lot more nervous then. Um, but I think I'm the same in a sense. Like, I'm not, I don't get nervous for my own fights, but, you know, when Marshman's fighting, Dez, Oban, Tucker, any no any of the boys whenever I watch them fight my stomach's turning over I can't eat I feel sick so um, I definitely get more nervous for the boys and and you know and and the people I train with and care about than, than I do for myself even watching my old man grapple back back years ago you know on the on the nogi circuit and on the geese circuit I would get a little bit of nerves for him when he was going on as well so I I think it depends who, who you are like I know my old man when he used to fight you'd be sick before you walked out so. You know, every everyone's different. Like I say, everyone copes with it differently. But he, he definitely doesn't doesn't hide uh, hide that he's feeling nervous, no matter how hard he's trying. What's your mum like? I mean, I don't. She won. She's never watched me fight live. She she won't watch the fight live even on TV. You know, she'll wait for it to finish um, and then watch it back. But she hides it pretty well. But also, I don't see her much um, fight day. So. You know, when I fight in local, like with Cage, I'd see her in the morning of the fight and I, 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 I'd get out of the house nice and early and I'd be it till after the fight. Obviously, when I'm fighting away, I don't see her for a week before. So if she does get nervous, which she, she definitely does, but I can imagine it's easier for her to, to hide it from me than it is my dad, obviously, being in the corner. And if we go away to fight, he's with me all week. So it's easier to read him and see how nervous he gets. Whereas my, my mom is definitely, is probably more nervous than my dad, but I don't see it as much because obviously she's not at the venue. She's, she's not in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you think it was a big step up in terms of atmosphere-wise? I, I know Cage Warriors, you had a massive following, so I, I don't know if it would have been that much different stepping into the UFC on the day of the fight, going through the crowd, etc. Was it was it a big difference or not? It definitely felt big. Like, despite, like, for example, I was main event my last three Cage Warriors fights. I was first on in, in my UFC fight, but the UFC fight definitely felt bigger. Just... I, just because of even like before before the day of the fight, then the the entire fight week you're treated in the sense of you like every everyone's there for you. Then the UFC staff they can't do enough for you. They just want you to worry about making weight and refueling and fighting. So the fact that you've got sort of 10, 15 staff is over and about the hotel and this you know waiting to wait on fighters, it definitely made it feel like a bigger deal. And then also being bust to the arena, taken in for the back entrance, and then. Um, when you see a fight kit then like the UFC fight kit obviously with your name on everything's customised that, that's that's incredible that just heightens it again and then 
despite being first fight on, like I, I expect to walk out and they'd be dead there, but I walked out and you could feel the atmosphere straight away. And you could definitely feel the atmosphere a lot more in the cage when I fought. And I don't know if that's because um, the shape of the arena or maybe because there's there's more people, you know, it's double the size of the cage or his venue. Maybe that's it. But the crowd were very switched on. You know, they could tell the MMA fans and they're not just there to watch their friends fight. They were, you know, every kick, every takedown, they, you could do a cheer or, or a buzz from the crowd. So it was, it was, it was definitely a different environment, a different atmosphere. Dominant Cage Warriors was a bit more crazy on the walkout and stuff like that, just because there was that many people there to watch me. It was the main attraction, but you would definitely feel um, the step up then when it came to the UFC. It definitely felt bigger. Was it a bit surreal being stood in the cage that you've probably been watching for for years? It was. A, I mean, at the time, I had to switch off from it, obviously, because I was doing a fight. But then, like looking back and like after, just even after the fight, then so the fight was over. We was waiting to. Um, waiting for everyone to come in and the cameras and stuff like that and, and I put my t-shirt on and I looked around and Bruce Buffer said well done <laughs> and I think I'm I'm sure he said to me you're, you're putting out Leary on the map or something like that you're putting, you're putting your little town on the map or something like that and I thought that's fucking Bruce Buffer <laughs> <laughs> so it, that was a little bit surreal um, like I remember I remember being on top of um, Hernandez then ground and pounding him wide at his back and I remember looking up and as I looked up I could see Dan Hardy, Paul Felder, and Sean Shelby sat there staring at me as they commentating on the fight. And I thought, this is a bit weird. <laughs> but um, yeah, at, at the time, you've got to switch off from it, or you've got a job to do. But definitely, um, definitely looking back, it felt a little bit surreal. Even now, when I watch it back now and then on Fight Pass, or look at the pictures, you know, see the gloves and the shorts of my name on it's, um It's a crazy feeling, but I'm sure I'll get, I'm sure I'll get used to it the more, the more fights I have. Yeah, you are you planning to stay active? Have they said much about what's happening with COVID at the moment or not? Um, they've they've said bits and bobs. Um, we had a, a video call with Dana a couple couple of weeks ago. No, a couple of weeks about two weeks ago, and um, he just basically said they they've secured a location that it's been announced now in Florida. Um, and they're going to obviously use a lot of the American fighters there because of the traveling and stuff like that. And obviously they're looking at securing the island um, in in June or whatever. I, I mean, that's some James Bond villain stuff. I, that is. I don't mean. I don't, <laughs> don't, if anyone's going to put off as the UFC, but I I think having it ready by June might be a bit of a push, especially the fact you know if it's if it's an island like this, say, and then like a secluded island, they're going to have to build a sort of runway for the the, the, the flights to get, <laughs> and they're going to have to build a venue, hotels, you know, gyms. So I don't know how, how quick they'll get up and running. Um, Fight, fight wise, obviously I want to fight. I want to be active, but at the same time, the gym's not open. I, I can't really, I can't really train properly for a fight. Then I can't spar with with sparring partners. I can road run and stuff like that, but I can't do my S and C with my coach because, you know, we can't see each other. Um, I can't, I can't do my boxing with Gary because he's, I, you know, he's um isolating. I can't do my Thai boxing. I can do bits with my old man because obviously we live together, so it's a different scenario. I can't do my wrestling with Carl, so. At the minute, it's, it's all up in the air in the sense of, for me to commit to a fight, I would want at least sort of four to six weeks of the gym being open. Even if it's like small groups of five to ten, but at least I can get the sparring in, you know. So they've not approached me yet with, with any sort of details or dates or fights or anything like that. But, um, you know, I've I just got to play it by you, see what happens with the, the UK in the sense of whether things will be... Um, the lockdown will be eased a little bit or the gyms will be open. I, I mean, it's all up in the eight in a minute. It, it could be a case of not fighting until 
you know, close at the end of the year. We just have to wait and see. But obviously, as soon as the gym's open, I'll be ready to go. I'm, I'm trying to watch my diet a little bit now. I'm, I'm training where I can. Obviously, it'll be easier now once um, once this house is sorted. But uh, I, I'm I'm doing what I can to stay on top of it. But you know, you know yourself. When you can only train once a day. There's only so much you can do, and and I don't know if that's ideal prep for a for a fight at the top level. Well, you'll be doing Tour de France next, the miles you've been putting on that push bike that I see. Uh, not bad for a little, uh, I think it was £150 bike from Alfred, so uh, I'm having my money's worth out of it, put it that way. Tour of Wales every morning. <laughs> um, what are your goals? So, obviously, I, I'm going to guess it's a UFC title, but have you got any aspirations, multiple weights? What, what are your goals? Um... To be honest, my my main goal has has always been for a long time now, like like being being the sort just being the best version of myself. I can be the best fighter I can be. I'm not I'm not too I'm not too. Don't be wrong. The UFC belt would be great, especially with all the 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 money and the sponsorships and stuff like that. And being the champion, that that's great. But I was the same in K. I never really chased the belt in the such of. I've never in the belt down. And I think for a while it'll be the. Don't be wrong. If in three, four years' time I'm top five, then it's a different story. That's when you can start pushing. But at the minute, it's just about bettering myself every day, being the best fighter I can be. So when I get in the cage, I can show everyone how good I am. Then it, it, it's not um, it's not certain opponents or certain rankings or certain fights or certain bouts that that really is is the goal, ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is just when I when I sort of knocking on the head or however, however many years I'll be, is you know looking back and saying. You know, he was always prepared. He was always elite everywhere. And, and I'd like, you know, the ultimate one for me would be for people to say he's one of the best or if not the best fighter to, to come from Wales. So that that's that's why I want when it's all when it's all hung up and, and the gloves are hung up and the the belts are shelf. That that's that's the main goal for me. And and obviously another look like just securing getting some security for myself and for my family would be great as well. Obviously my family looked after me for a long time. You know, allowing me to train full time before I was making any real money. So they looked after me and my diet and stuff like that. So to to give a little bit back to them um, and, and give a bit back to the gym would be is, is a nice is a goal outside of fighting as well. You know, it's outside of being in the actual cage. Nice, I like that. Have, um, so have you got the attitude of your fight anyone they put in front of you, or would you still want certain matchups? Have you got a route you want to take certain people? No, I think to be honest, I think to get anywhere in the UFC like to. You look at um, McGregor, for instance, and I know I know that's that's the top end of the scale. But through everything, through all the money and all the troubles he've had, you, you look at his rise in the UFC. You can't like you can't knock the you can't argue with the level of opposition he fought. He, he literally fought everyone they put him in there with. Like, I mean, he fought Max Holloway. He was off for like ten months because he did his knee. Uh, you know, jumped straight in against Brando, who's a dangerous opponent. A couple of months later, straight in with Dustin Poirier. Uh, when he was due to fight Aldo, they said Mendes is in. Like that's a completely different style of opponent. A lot of people would have just said, "Oh no, I'll wait it out." Then, but not be jumped in and fought him. So I think you've got to have the attitude of you've got to be right to fight anyone and you know anyone that they put in front of you. If you want to be the best in the world, ultimately you've got to be prepared to beat anyone anyway. Because if they're all as good as they like to say they are, they, they're going to work their way to the top of the tree anyway. Um, so if you want to see yourself as the best in the world or one of the best in the world, I think the best attitude to have is, is just knuckle down and fight whoever they put in front of you. And I see that in in Cage Warriors, in other promotions as well. I think there's too many people 
just trying to just trying to call for for fights and and call, call for opportunities that maybe you know when in essence they should just have the attitude of well leave the matchmaking to to the promoter and fight who they put in front of me you know if you if you perform well enough and you get enough wins and you beat enough good guys you're gonna get the bigger names and and the big contracts and the big money anyway so yeah just fight whoever they put in front of me and hopefully ultimately that'll lead to me climbing the, the ladder making a bit more money and obviously fighting <laughs> them, them big names then I'm sure it will. You you say um, people say acting well if they're as good as they say they are. I see it a lot. There's a lot and lot of talk in the sport, isn't there? Uh, Conor McGregor, prime example. He he's walked the walk, but he has definitely talked the talk as well, hasn't he? Um, it's not really your style, is it? What's your view on on stuff like that and people's personas in the sport? Yeah, like look, trash talk is is part of the game. McGregor, I mean, it's, it's become highlighted more now since McGregor, but even you look back, people like Chael Sonnen was yeah. years ago. And I think if you're a character like McGregor or Chael, and, and it were, like even like um, Oban or Trains of Us, he, he, you know, he, he talks. Oh, he loves, he loves a post, doesn't he? <laughs> but he's got that persona and he's got that, yeah. that swagger and he's sharp with the tongue that he can pull it off. I think yeah. the only time I don't really like trash talk is when you've got people who, you know, without name any names i've got dull personalities and they're just doing it to try and get their name out there a bit more and, and it, it, it comes off unnatural you know like yeah a lot of people you, you see online they talk and talk and talk but then they're quite as a mouse in person so i think if you're gonna trash talk you know that's that's fine but, but make sure it's it's who you are you know it's not it's not who i am don't be wrong if if um if someone wants to fire an insult at me i'm quick to fire one back but um you know it's not ultimately it's not my style i prefer to to go down the respectful route i was brought up as a as a martial artist and before fighter so for me a lot of it was about respect and um you know respecting your opponent fighting hard fight fighting till you can't give no more then shake hands and respect again afterwards you know when the door locks and, and it's time to fight then all that goes out the window but but before and after then i got no issue with you know being respectful and shaking that like i see stuff like oh, i'm not going to shake his arm before the fight we're going to war and you know, I'm going to steer him out before they wet the weigh-ins. I'm going to steer him out before. It's like, <laughs> look, you're going to fight anyway. Ultimately, it doesn't make any difference. It doesn't. It doesn't bother me if someone wants to shake my hand. If they want to shake hands, great. If they don't, then you know, it's not going to make me fight any different. <laughs> you're still going to punch him in the face and choke him out. Exactly <laughs> I would have done anyway. So, if you want to come with attitude, like the last guy I fought before the fight, you know, he didn't want to shake hands, and you know, he had attitude about him all fight week. But I, I wouldn't have fought him any different. You know, if he came up to me and shook my hand or you know, shut my arm before the fight or at the weigh-ins and he'd have had the same the same Jack show against him regardless. You know, I'm not gonna fight any different because you trash taught me. So, you know, it's it is what it is. I think some people look into it too much. It, because McGregor's been so good at getting in people's head of it that they, they try to be like that, but there's only one Conor McGregor as as the song goes. Yeah. So not, every, <laughs> not everyone can be him the reason he's made so much money is because that's who he is as a person and a lot of these people they're doing it, it doesn't come off natural. So yeah, if if it's who you are, then then by all means go for it. But you know, you're not gonna catch me um, drop dropping the head in at the weigh-ins and, and trying to try. <laughs> uh, I, I did see the other day you were getting a bit of stick from uh, another fighter I won't name him on uh, on Twitter, and I think you just replied, "I'll do my talking in the cage or something." Didn't yeah, you? that's it. It's it's yeah. like you know, if if you're that boring that you've got a that you've got you know chops me off on twitter you know i've never trashed talked anyone in my life so <laughs> if, you want, if you want if you want to war words on twitter you're probably not gonna you're not gonna get out of me like he's, they lucky they got the, he's lucky he got a response in the first place <laughs> <laughs> um 
you say the game plan will be the same regardless of their attitude. Do you do, do you go in with a set game plan? Do you watch a lot of uh, their fight videos and you go in knowing what you're going to do? Yeah, so I'm I'm a little bit like I'm a little bit fifty fifty in that sense. So I obviously watch me, me and the coaches will sit down at the beginning of camp and sort of middle towards the end of the camp and watch watch some tape. Um, I like strengths, weaknesses, you know, places where we can expose them, places where they're dangerous. And and we do try and tie that into sparring as well. We like we try and plan my sparring partners to try and be a similar dummy you know, you're never gonna get a, a picture perfect sparring partner for a, for a set fight. Like every everyone fights different, whether it be a little bit or a massive bit. But we, we do our best to mimic it in sparring. But I'm not one of these who um you know, where I have a game plan in the sense of this is, is route A and that's that's it. You know, I, I try to focus on my strengths as well. Um try and fight to where I think is is my strongest area or my strongest area against our set opponent. So I do watch tape and I do do try and you know pick their weaknesses and 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 pick the way I can I can make the fight easier and, and more efficient for myself. But at the same time, I do like to focus on my style and 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 my way as well because I think sometimes you can get too caught up in your opponent's um, style of fighting and I've seen in the past as ended some people's performance. So. I just try and take the fight as it comes. I mean, ultimately, you're fighting on instincts anyway. Your adrenaline's going, 10,000 people watching, you know, you know, all the cameras, all the lights. So the best thing to do is just train your instincts to, you know, where that's your second nature, to fight the way you want to fight. Um, that's what I try to do anyway. I don't try and, you know, I don't spend six days a week working game plan then, you know. Yeah, because I think it can backfire sometimes, can't it? You go in there and if the game plan doesn't work, you're like, oh, shit, what do I do now? Well, yeah, exactly. Like, if you go in there then, for example, and your game plan is to wrestle, you, know, you don't want to strike with a guy. If you can't get him down straight away, that's when you start to panic then and you start to think, well, what am I going to do if I can't get him down? And I've been there in the past in amateur fights and stuff like that, you know? So I think, say your game plan is to wrestle, great, that's your, that's your game plan, but you can't just go out and think, right, I'm going to wrestle. You've got to have, an, you've got to have a plan on the feet. You've got to have a plan in the clinch. You've got to have a plan if they're coming at you, you know, backing you up. There's a lot of other factors that you've got to... You've got to sort of bring in rather than, you know, I'm going to wrestle or I'm going to strike or I'm going to just take him down. I'm going to sub him. It's it's a lot more, in, you know, it's a lot more tool fighting, especially at the elite level. You know, it's, it'd be like a football player saying, what's your game plan for the, the game? And it's like, yeah, I'm just going to go and score more goals in them. You know, no, <laughs> it's the same with fighting. You can't just have a game. I'm just going to go and take him down and sub him. There's, there's more to it than that. Definitely. Um, I've got a few questions for you then to to, to round off. First one will probably get a bit of a, a reaction from the boys in the gym. Who's the hardest man in the gym? Hardest man in the gym. Um, what fighter? Hardest fighter. Yes. Yeah. Let's go on. Go fighter. Then I was going to say anyone. All, go all fight. the coaches and nails in there. Yeah, hardest that's what I was going to say. All the coaches are hard. Is um, is obviously Jack Marshman without a shadow of a doubt. If there's one person that I wouldn't want to meet in a dark alley. Who I've pissed off, it'd be Jack Marshman. If I pissed him <laughs> off, I'm, I'm, if I piss off Marshman, I'm going to stay from him for a minimum of a couple of weeks till he calms down. <laughs> um, uh, what's your favourite walkout song? Uh, favourite walkout, Seven Nation Army, every time. That, that's my, I think I've walked out like every, every pro fight. Mixed a bit of Oasis in with it as well, which I do like, but at the minute, you know, I'm only the cards at the minute, so I can't uh, be I can't be going all superstar and asking for two songs. So uh, it'll, it'll be seven <laughs> for now. One day you'll have Liam Gallagher singing you in. One day, you? one day, yeah, one day. <laughs> um, 
I did ask you before, I'm not sure if you had a chance to have a think, but do you have a favourite quote at all? Um, it's not so much, like, it's not so much a quote then off a certain person, it's just more, more of a, a motto, I suppose, that, that, like, I get asked a lot about, like, advice for young fighters and, and whatever, and my, my sort of motto or quote, if you like, and has always been, ch- chase the dream or chase the dream and everything else will come with the dream, you know, don't chase the money, don't chase the fame and the lights and the Instagram followers. Chase the dream, you know, chase the dream of whatever your dream is, being the K Drawers champion or be being in the UFC or or be I don't know, tri- we're not even fighting. If you know, chase the dream of you wanna anyone, you know, who's working a job or whatever, you know, you don't don't chase the, the oh I wanna get this because of this much money. Don't chase oh I wanna get in the UFC because I wanna make all this money. Just chase the dream, chase trace the Chase the dream of being the best fighter you can be. Chase the dream of, of getting to the UFC because you want to be in the UFC, not because, you know, of the money. The money's just a, a nice little um nice little bonus of, of, of being in the top top percentage of the fighters of the, in the world. So chase the dream and the rest will come later. You know, don't chase the money and let the dream come afterwards. I like that. Talking of money, I think you had a fifty grand bonus the first fight, didn't you, off Dana? Performance of the night, wasn't it? I did, yeah. <laughs> you did. That's not a bad start, is it? <laughs> no, that's it. That was a nice little, a nice little. It was a couple of months before Christmas, so that was a nice little Christmas. Probably helped me buy my house, to be honest. So, <laughs> shout out to Dana for that one. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be plenty more of those coming. But um, I'll let you go now, Jack. Thanks for your time, and uh, yeah, it was really good. I enjoyed that. Thank you. Yeah, cheers, Jack. Is, where can people find you? Is uh. Facebook, uh, yes, Insta. it's um, so it's Jacks MMA on um, Instagram and Twitter, and uh, just Jack Tank shows my follow my page on uh, Facebook. Don't add my personal account because I've got about room for about five friends, so I'm saving them just in case if someone actually <laughs> knows as me. So if you want to keep up with news and you want the, the you know I'm only ever sharing shit on my personal page anyway. So uh, if you want the, the the pictures and the videos, go go like my uh, my profile page on uh, on Facebook. All right. Cheers, Tank. See you in a bit. Cheers, Jack. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed, please make sure to subscribe and share with your friends. If you're a new listener, please go back and check out our old podcast. We've got some great stuff in there from people in many fields, such as martial arts, business, ex-special forces guys, authors. The list goes on. Um, So please head back and check it out. We also have some very interesting guests lined up. So make sure to stay tuned. Uh, Thank you. And we'll see you next time.